Hey, welcome listeners, watchers, viewers over to Music Movies Hoops YouTube channel. Thanks for coming back to Unfiltered Dunks with Podcast. It's a Protecting Us production. Today we got on Coach Micah from over at Bonneville to talk about a season, the Pelican season, and his coaching philosophies in general. Uh, Coach Micah, thanks for coming on. We've also got Sasha Clarivasian to introduce himself. But Coach, step up first, take the ball, tell them where you're from, how you got to be on the sidelines coaching one of the best teams in the state. Cool. Hey, I'm uh, Micah Higgins, um, head basketball coach at Bonneville High School. I, I actually played at Bonneville High School from 01 to 05. Um, went off to play college basketball at Talladega College. Um, was an All-American there. And then after I finished my senior season, I came over and I was an assistant um, for the first 10 years um, back at my alma mater. And this was my first year on the sidelines as the head coach. Um, so that's Congrats. my Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, hey, how'd that first season work out for you? Um, it went well. A uh, lot of, lot of, learned a lot of things. Um, obviously, there were some challenges, and, and I, it's weird that I, my first season was in the middle of a pandemic, so um, I had more challenges than um, maybe anyone else would be in my position for that first year. Um, but we took it all in stride, man, and, and um, I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, it, was, it was exciting, and we had our ups and our downs, um, but more ups than downs, and, and we had a great time, man. Me and those kids, we enjoyed each other, the staff. It was a great year for us. Right. you That that program's been highly successful in the state. I mean, I'm from Nacogdoches Central. I know we had a little bet going on over on Twitter. But there's a lot of positives that have to happen, even if you don't win the championship, to get as far as you did and sustain that success. You had to have a lot go right. Talk about what, what went right and how you developed that team and also the individuals because sometimes that doesn't really mesh. Yeah. How about the fact that the last, last season we lost in the state championship by one point and we lose eight out of ten guys. So we're bringing back ten, eight, two guys from a, a state runner-up team and a bunch of sophomores and guys who've never played varsity basketball. So um, the standard at Bonham was always extremely high, but when you bring it down and really re, really realize what we actually were able to accomplish with a bunch of first-year guys, um, it's amazing, man. We set the bar high um, because we're always going to do that, but we also, when we come down off and realize, hey, you guys really um, over over exceed the expectations to have those young sophomores playing in big games like that man i'm i'm more than thrilled with it um we'll be we'll be able to teach our young men along the process how close they were um as a group they were able to learn how to be brother better brothers better friends i i I enjoyed it and i think that um we learned a lot from this experience and i think all of our kids grew as young men which was probably the most important thing for us Sasha's always yeah. Go ahead, Sasha. You've always got such a great question about how the, how that starts building. Yes, indeed. So, Coach, I fell in love with basketball, playing basketball as a teenager. I uh, played pickup in high school, played intramural in college, but I've never been to one official, real practice in my life. So, I'm I'm so curious about what actually happens inside the lines there. Can you talk about what happens in a first practice and how you transform from a group of guys into a well-oiled machine? Yeah, it's funny that you see how we transform from a group of guys. So our, our first practice was a little different than probably most. So our, our experience probably was a little little different than what you um, other coaches experienced. Over the last five or six years, I think winning had become such at the forefront of our minds and our program um, that I think we've gotten away from a lot of the core values um, that make high school sports 
what they, what they are. And that's foundation that should be helping groom young men to be better people once they leave our campus. So the last five years, I felt like we've gotten away from that. So this year, when I took over, the first thing I wanted to implement was just those kids becoming better people. And start off day one in basketball, basketball, basketball. Now it was, hey, how do we be better brothers? How are we better at home? How are we better students? We spent a lot of time investing in um, them as young men and them as a group. And then we knew the basketball would come, right? So me and the staff, we just, we literally, we spent time playing Family Feud. We just talked. We spent, literally played. We gamed them to death. We sat down. We put our phones down. And we just, we turned the screens off and we sat down and we talked about important things, things that were happening in the world. Um, my expectations was, I think something when kind of, uh, it was big on social media in the playoffs and one of my kids failed. They seen my whole team sprint over to pick a kid up. And I get, I was getting a lot of feedback like, hey, how do you get those kids to be on that? Hey, we teach them to love each other. Hey, one of your brothers fall, pick them up. We didn't have to necessarily say, hey, you go pick him up when he falls. That's just been at the forefront of our 81, which is one of our core principles. Hey, one of your brother falls, pick him up. And you can mean that literally or figuratively, right? Like, whatever that means, just be there for them. And then throughout the year, as they got closer, all of those things that from the foundations of day one just kind of built into where, like, at the end of the year, they were doing stuff for each other that I couldn't even imagine. So it, it paid off. Um, I wish I had this big thing where I can tell you practice and did all of these scripts and all of these things. Nah, we just really went back to the core and loved each other and taught each other how to be there for each other, how to be a supporting teammate how to be a supportive person and that's just what kind of we did we just bro broke the barriers and kind of just you know invested in them as people coach that's incredible i'm so happy to hear that what a year to be having these conversations 2020 we had the pandemic we had donald trump who i hope it's not controversial to say i hate right. <laughs> and we had the incredible social justice movement from your players how did these experiences affect them, and what did you say with them to deal with these absolutely titanic situations? Yeah, it affects them heavily. You know, I, I coach a group of minority kids, um, and this literally affects their day-to-day. -day. One thing I wanted to be responsible for was um, impactful and, and educated conversation with them about it, right? Because there's so much on social media, so many different things they can get their ideas from. It's easy for them to get ideas from anywhere. Um, and they may be unfounded or, or just uneducated. So one of the things I want to do, me and my staff, was when we have these conversations with them, we want to come make sure it's educational, make sure it's an open and honest space for them, um, but also teach them what it looks like. But the biggest thing is be an example. You know, they follow my social media. Um, they A lot of things, that's why I tell to my staff, it's very important we put out, our kids follow it. They watch it, they listen to it, and they think what you said. What are you doing to make your city better? What are you doing to in, in racism, in social injustices, what are you doing? What is your steps? And those kids see what I do in my daily walk, and I can't. I think they just kind of follow. So when I have these conversations with them, I'm not just talking, you know, right? I'm following that up. You're walking. And I, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing we can do for them, man, is show up by walk and then love, man. Show up by loving and caring for one another. They see how I treat everyone on campus, from the janitor to the principal. Nobody gets in these different treatment. They see that, and they. They're like that. They treat everyone the same way. But that's just because, man, let's just start it back to the basics, man. Love each other. Love people. And just be a good person at the core. And if everyone does that, man, this place will be a better place. And it, it never, it'll never do that worldwide, right? Everybody won't do it. But I teach my kids, hey, you just be the change. Control what you can control. And you, you just be a really good person and the rest will take care of itself.
Yeah, and if you come with the genuine authenticity that, that you do, that you get those kids behind you, Coach, I think that's where you can develop the trust to have the more uncomfortable conversations, which, let's face it, aren't really built for social media. I know I've got myself in trouble, you know, bickering and bantering sometimes, but I also see the coaches out there, and that's how I connected with you, was seeing the positive message you put out. And yep. it makes you want to be a better person. And then, again, we can come together. We can have this type of podcast. But later yep. on, we could also, in the toughest times, have maybe an uncomfortable conversation about something where yes. we can both learn and find a middle ground. How, how, do you, how do you handle those types of challenges, both on the court adversity and off the court adversity, again, through the pandemic, but also going forward? I mean. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. But like you said, the trust factor. Right when you come back, when it all boils down, those kids they'll run through a wall for me because they trust me. So when we have the honestly, I'm able to. Um, with like for example, one of my kids that posted something on social media that I thought that he shouldn't have posted, but I I'm able to have that conversation with him because he knows where I'm coming from. He knows it's coming from a, a place of trust and a place of care. And I'm not just telling him this just out of the thin air. It's hey, Coach Mike really cares about me. He's telling me this is probably it's probably a reason. I can tackle almost any conversation with any of my kids because they know from day one I'm going to be super honest, right? And I'm also always going to give you a space for you to be able to talk back to me. Um, and it's a no, it's, it's, it's low, it's low stakes, right? Low stakes environment. I'm always going to give you the opportunity to express yourself. Um, always give you the opportunity for a space where we can have dialogue that's impactful. Um, so you never have to worry about what comes out of the conversation. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have. We're going to have a space where we can talk and we can address anything. So when these things come about, man, like we literally attack it on his head. Something comes out, attack at the Capitol. All right, we're going to address that, right? Like we're going to start practice. We're going to address these things before we get to basketball because I've always taught them that basketball doesn't come first, right? Our families come first. We come first as people. So if I get to basketball and I start basketball before I start the other stuff, then I'm, I'm sending a mixed signal. We address things as they come, and we're able to have an open space for uncomfortable conversations. And at the end, we may disagree, but we also love each other enough to know that, you know, we can disagree, and it's still both people hurt hurt the side, and somebody grew from it. Yeah, Coach, I have my concerns about this generation, and we could talk about what it's like to be 15, 16, 17, 20 years old now. But I think one of the pros going is I think this young generation has such a real bullshit detector. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. Between social media and other platforms, they're just kind of getting to the heart of things. And I 100% the only way you're going to get through is, is realness. Yep. Authenticity. 100%. Yep. And you just have to live by that. And it sounds like you're doing that. You, would you agree? Yeah, man. These these kids know when you're fake. They know yeah. when you're not honest. They yeah. know. They'll, they'll call you. I don't know. This also is a generation of... Our generation was, hey, don't say nothing back. Miss, this person said this. People said this. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hey, this, this, this group will challenge you, you know. And I, but I think as leaders, we have to get past the, hey, I said do this, you do it. Hey, you got to be okay with being challenged sometimes, right? Because this group of kids, they think differently, right? And they're gonna challenge you sometimes. But if you, if you, you know, you're strong in what you're believing, and you know you're doing things the right way, you can challenge me on it because I'm gonna have a great answer or a great reason why I've done it. And if I don't. Guess what? We'll change that in a moment. Hey, you had a really good point. I didn't think about, right? But let, matter of fact, let's go this route. Um, and then they see that realness, and they say, "Hey, Coach understood that he was wrong in this moment, and he just didn't do what the 
older generation would do and say, hey, I said it this way and this is what it's going to be. Nah, hey, you know what? That probably don't make sense. Like, we got had a point in late in the year where kids were like, hey, coach, um, we want to wear our own shoes. We don't want to wear team shoes. My shoes, feet, feet are hurting. We've been wearing them all year. And I'm a guy who's I'm a team shoe guy. Throughout, you know what? I grew up in that era. And coach said we all look alike. We all do the exact same thing. And as I sat down and we had a conversation, and they were like, coach, when my feet are hurting, you know, we do everything as a team. I think this, we sh- I want to buy a new pair of shoes and wear it and be comfortable. And it, it sh- I struggled for a second, but then I we had that open conversation. And I said, you know what? You know, where they asked me, why do we have to do it? And I got, I got, I stumbled, like, because I had to do it, right? But, like, that's not a good answer. You know what I'm saying? So they, so they sat there and, okay, what else, coach? That's not, that's not really a good answer. And they challenged me a bit. And you know what I said? Hey, you know what? Wear your own shoes because I don't have a really good reason. Other than, like, I want y'all all to look alike. But how does that affect how they play? How does that affect anything other than I'm controlling what's happening? And I, I tell them, this is our team. I don't want to control anything. I want us to make decisions, and then we all live with what happened. And guess what? In the playoffs, they wore their own shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, what, what, before we get to the last couple questions and veer off of it, like the philosophies, how much is it that you emphasize this hoops, basketball, is a way to college, and so many other things in life? I mean, you've touched on so many great points that lead there already, but how much directness is there to – you're doing great, kids. You're going almost to the state championship, the finals, semifinals every year. You can take this skill you have and transfer it to, to do so many other things in life. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. We, we, last year, Tyron Williams, um, he signed a LeBec Community College. He had no offers the whole year, and then he got to the Final Four, and he blew up all eyes were on him. He got an offer that night. And I tell my kids, I said, hey, that's why we work so hard to get to that goal, right? When we get to that final four, all eyes on you. It's now your opportunity to show the world who you are. Um, and we've had seven straight years of a college uh, uh, signee every single year, full scholarship guy. We got seven years running um, with Will Allen being our last this year. Um, and we still have two guys with opportunities. So kids come in and they see the mold. They, they know the name. They know the Joseph Thompson, the TJ Collins. They know all They know the Will Allens. So they know that, hey, I just got to come in, buy in, do it, do it. It's asked of me. And at the end of the day, I have an opportunity to play college basketball. My kids don't come from a situation where they have a lot of options. Their dads don't own businesses. They don't have all these other options. Their families don't have the money to pay for college. They're literally their way out is academics and basketball. So when they get here, it's a serious, it's serious business because if they want to make it out, they know that's gonna, they're going to have to get it for an academic scholarship or a basketball scholarship. So they're all locked in. I don't have to it's not, I don't have to have a big selling point. They know when they come in, hey, I can't get to college any other way other than these two ways. So I'm going to lock in on both of these things so I can, you know, make my, my future happen. Coach, you know, we hear about the Zion Williamsons and the Brandon Ingrams who made it, and now they're buying cars and houses for their family. They're the .001%, yep. right? For, for all the kids who are talented but aren't going to have a career in the NBA, what is your advice? Are you pushing them to get really serious about college? Are you pushing them to consider coaching? Are you pursu- pursu- pushing them to pursue another interest? What is your advice to help them still succeed in their own way? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really based on the child, right? Yes. Um, I, have, like, like, I have kids that I go play college basketball, but I also tell them, hey, make sure you use that thing till it's all done because the ball is going to stop bouncing at some point whether it's your college career or the NBA or, or like if you are a Zion but if we, we know that's not a high percentage um, use it get as far as you can get 
And when that thing drops off, let's make sure we have a plan in place for you for you to be successful. Some of my kids come in, I know they're not, they don't have any interest in college. They're not going to go play college basketball. They're not going to do any of that stuff. So we start looking at different trades. Hey, do you want to be a barber, right? Do you want to be any of these stuff that you can start right now? Um, we can start working on it and get you lined up with these people. So when you're done high school, you can walk right into it because it's not for everyone. And I coach a, a set of group, group of kids that college isn't an option for all of them. For the ones who are, I'm going to teach them the right way. Hey, let's go make sure we're not picking a BS major. Let's make sure we're doing something that lines you up. When you're done, that you can walk in and start making some money. And the guys who aren't, hey, let's make sure we're not going to college. Let's make sure we have something planned, lined up. So when we get out of here, we know we have a trade. We have something um, useful and resourceful that when we're done, we can walk out and be able to you know, provide our families and start, off, start, start our lives. It sounds like you're a part-time career counselor, connecting yeah. people with barbers and other... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have to be. You're, we're working with kids at a time in their life when they leave, when they leave you, real world starts in a sense, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, like, you have to have a plan, an action plan. And if you're not doing this, if you're just coaching them in basketball, you're not, you don't have all of these ideas and trying to help them, like, you're, it's a big void that you're missing within our kids. And I, I never want that to happen on my program. And that's why I promise the parents when they come, like, listen, when you guys come here, um, we're going to take care of the total person. So when they leave here, they're well-rounded and, and they also have, you know, other opportunities once they leave. It, it's all about the opportunities. If, if you provide somebody with opportunities, they'll run with it, especially these kids. I, I mean, y'all both touched on it. They, they'll take the challenges. They'll challenge the older generations. That <laughs> that doesn't matter. And you got you got to really welcome the challenge. I mean, Michael Jordan welcomed playing against all, you know, that's the only way you get great is to accept the challenges. <laughs> And coach, you've been talking about some championship uh, philosophies. I know you're gonna have to get back to the kids. One, one, two, three more quick questions. One, just being a prediction on. I got one, and I'll I'll be done. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I was gonna pass one off to you, but I wanted to get a prediction on a state championship, coach. I got to get that out of you. I know my Chiefs gonna take it, but I gotta hear you say it. Hey, listen, I, I, I think Hansville is really tough. MJ, um, Bell Harris is a tough, tough out. He doesn't miss shots. He's a shot maker. He's a kid I fell in love with as a ninth grader. I love him. Um, I like Conville. I like Zachary. I think Zachary has a chance for the next year, this year and next year, to be really, really dangerous. Um, and I, their styles of play are so similar. And there's two tough programs, two well-coached programs. Um, I think Conville and Zachary are going to be in a championship. I'm not going to pick one because I, both staffs and both both kids, I, I you know both of the kids I like, I love both staffs. I'm not gonna pick one, but I think they they those two teams. I think they meet. All right, predictions. Well, I know you cheat. I know you want your Chiefs to get one. I know you do. Another one. Uh, another one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but listen, Nagas always does a great job with their program. They're always gonna be top five. They're always gonna be in a hunt. I would not be surprised if they won it all. I would not be. Yeah, and, and the way they turned around the program in that city was they basically just put up hoops everywhere like you you can't go in Natchitoches walk five minutes and not see some you know a rim something to shoot on and that's how they turn that program around I, I, need to, I might need to borrow that philosophy man. man every five minutes you can hit a hoop in in Natchitoches and that's how they turn it around uh I mean they hit the last second shot they should have been knocked out I really wanted to see your team versus my squad we had a little bet going but we'll, we'll let that one go. Sasha, you got one more question, and then I'm going to get Coach to talk a little bit about the NBA and let him get back to, t- back to the kids. 
Coach, it's rare that I get to talk to people who played at a high level. Yeah. I want to hear about Coach the player. <laughs> so just tell me, just kind of popping the trunk on that a little bit, looking back, when you think back on your playing days, what are the joys that you reminisce on the most and what were the, the hardest challenges? Um, Man, waking up and literally being able to affect the outcome personally, right? As a coach, it's differently. Um, you, you're literally depending on 14 and 17-year-olds to do exactly what you say. Um, as a player, you control so much. I was so competitive um, as a player. So I knew I had to stay in, in sports for sure. Um, but as a player, I think waking up on game day, I, I miss it, man. If I, I'll do anything for one game. I, I tell my kids that they, they get tired of me saying it. Um, I literally, I would trade in everything to play another game because – you know, the camaraderie with your teammates. My brother, I still talk to guys every day that I grew up with. Matter of fact, one of my closest friends, I talk to him in it every day, uh, my college roommate. So um, just having that camaraderie with the guys, being out there, being able to make – I was a three-point shooter, so being out there, catch and shoot. I still walk through practice. I got to catch and shoot. All of the things that I did, I still want to do. But it's hard being a coach now because sometimes you they can't do what you, what you can do, right? So, like, I'm, you just got to turn a corner and pull up, but that's it's not – their strengths all the time, right? And then when you're really good, it's hard to make kids who may may not have that same skill to get them to do it. And as a coach, you're like, why can't he do it? But then he just, he wasn't, he's not true. He's not, you know what I'm saying? So you got to go down, find out where they are and try to pull them up. And it took me a while to get out of that. Man. <laughs> coach, we won't keep you any, any much longer except to ask how you think the Pelicans are doing. What's the prediction for the season? Did you like to stay in Van Gundy higher? And I mean, this is a Pelicans podcast. You can go off on it, and, and pass that, man. Hard thanks, thanks for coming on. on. Thanks for coming on. We hey. we love having you on, Coach. I know, no problem. And I come at any guys anytime you guys want me to. I like, I love Stan Van Gundy. I love him as a person. I think that um, how he stands up for social injustices, all his him as a person. I love that, right? And it's hard not to cheer for a guy um, who has that stance. Um, I love. I'm a big Zion guy. I've been a big Zion guy since day one. Hey, I don't know if you know, I'm a big J.D. Reddick guy. I was a, I don't like Duke that much, but I loved him at Duke because I could shoot. Uh, and then they have a bunch of Duke guys with B.I. And, and all those guys. But I think by having young talent, by having B.I., having Zion, you feel like at some point it's got to turn a corner. Um, but it's always like we've been saying in New Orleans for years, like, but well, when, right? Like, when is that when do we actually turn it? I don't know. The NBA has turned into super team. I don't know what we need. I just hope we keep Zion forever. I love Zion. I think our city needs Zion, right? I think we do. Um, but we need some of them young guys to, to turn into something. You know, we got a lot of draft picks. We need those guys to to, to, to make some noise, man, and, and help out. And I don't know. I, I hope we can be a playoff guy, a playoff team and, and get, get there where we have. But um, the NBA has turned into super team. This is tough. Yeah, yeah. For, for both of you guys, I've heard some debate about this. Zion and Bi, are these guys going to work long term? Did they? Are they really a perfectly snug fit? I believe so. I don't see. I don't see any reason why not. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean either. I think. I think he can work. I think Bi will just keep getting better. Like I think he's. He'll keep yeah. getting. He'll keep better and better. And then Zion's going to keep getting better and better. So I, I personally, I see it. I see it working. Um, I think with the way the NBA is now, they're going to need a star, a big star, to come here. Um, will that happen? I don't know. Um, but it'd be awesome to have a big star here uh, to go along with those guys because I don't think together they're enough. They're enough to make the playoffs, but then 
once you're in that middle range, it's like you stay there, right? Really good or really bad in build from the draft. I really feel like when you're in that middle, you're just stuck because you're getting middle of the draft, you know, middle of the pack draft picks. You're never kind of getting anywhere. Um, so I would like them to see them be really good or really bad and then build from that bad and get up to be good. But I think Zion and B.I. are good enough to just keep them relevant, which is tough. They're good enough now to keep them relevant. But, they, I mean, Coach, you know this. They're young. They're not finished products. These guys are going to oh. get better. I, that, got, that, to me, is just they got to get the right person in the middle to, to be a conduit. And I don't think it's Lonzo. I've been adamant about that. But Lonzo has been proving me wrong the last few weeks. So, maybe he is. I just I, I think they need the right person in between them to, like, mesh the two rough edges of their games until they're both 25, 26-year-old All-Stars. That depends on the championship culture that David Griffith said he's gonna gonna build. I mean, you literally have Zion for six six years at this point. You've got him for another five and a half seasons. At that point, he's hitting the AD range where if you're not doing something, nobody's gonna blame Zion. You know, once he's out of here, so yeah, for sure. Really, it to me that the the front office has to look at their draft picks and look at who they've drafted and decide. You know what's going to be a sunk cost and what's going to work out. And if it's a sunk cost, which I'm not big on to kill Alexander Walker either. I don't think he's got that dog in him like that. And that's from just being around the team last year and this yeah. season. I just yeah. don't see that in the keel. So the front office needs to look at him as a high draft pick on a cheap contract that could be bundled and and moved for a bill. Uh, maybe a Jimmy Butler if Miami doesn't work out and they try to get rid of him as a rental just to get this team over the hump. Somebody that's like we, that next season. Yep, that would be awesome. That would, that's what we need. He, we need a guy like Butler. Butler's got that dog in him. I don't see that dog in him in the kill. I don't. I can put, I'll can. i put that out there. I just don't see it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not a Lonzo guy either, so I, I, I just think it's some overhaul. I just love as long as B.I. and Zion are here and if we make some – Changes around on the outside, I think we'll be fine. Keep keep Josh Hart and his mentality. That's the dog in him. And yep. And my grandma loves Josh Hart. She gives him six point credit for a two point layup. Like he let me in to write the podcast stories and stuff. Like keep him because he represents the city. If anybody yep. dogs it like that, that's Josh Hart. So to me, he's worth the eighteen million before Lonzo's worth the twenty one. Even though, again, not to drop another little nugget on here, the team did not offer above fourteen million to Josh Hart, and they didn't. They weren't really going to look at contract extensions in general, the same way they didn't look at it for Ingram. But Ingram was more of a, a wild variance bet. Lonzo's a wild variance bet. I didn't think Josh Hart was going to give you such a variance in play that you should play around with the difference between thirteen and eighteen. If he's worth it, just go ahead and pay him now, and that's where I stood on it. Yeah, you're right. Inside info. We there. We love it. We there. Yes. A uh, few more contract nuggets I can drop. Y'all find me at Forbes. Coach, I heard the bells ringing at the school. Let them know where they can find you on social media. How you doing? We'll let you out of here so you can get back to the day job. Again, appreciate you coming on. Shasha Clarivazian, founder of Music Movies and Hoops, has been running this. Again, I appreciate both of y'all. Yeah. Um, Twitter, Coach Micah. Instagram, Coach Micah, and Facebook, Micah Higgins. Um, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I always love to talk basketball, NBA basketball. Always love talking my brand, Bonneville basketball. Um, 
look forward to whenever you guys have me back. I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the platform. Continue to do what you guys do for the good guys. Um, I appreciate you guys more than you ever know. Thank you so much, Coach. It was a joy thank talking you. to you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, guys. That's been the Unfiltered Dunks Podcast. Check it out. Uh, you can see a video on YouTube, Music, Movies, and Hoops. Follow and subscribe. Thanks, and y'all have a good day. Enjoy the sunshine. Hey, Pelicans fans, thanks again for coming back and listening to the Unfiltered Dunks podcast. With me, you got Dodson over at Forbes Sports and Music Movies and Hoops. Just had an article come out that's profiling Kick Shadamas, the guy that did some stuff for Josh Hart's shoes. They're both cutting so, uh, you know, they're both on the cutting so roster. So go check that out. Support your people. And uh, go check out Music Movies and Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. We're giving away a graded mint Zion Williamson rookie card. You know that's something going to go up in value. We got some shirts, some other some other uh, cards for you. So give us a five-star review. Go check us out. Leave a comment, and you are automatically entered into the contest to win the cards. You don't have to do anything else, but we do appreciate you checking us out. Thanks again.